news and information. This is Radio 3. And a very good Saturday morning to you. Now on Radio 3, Sally Ho continues her radio journey to show you just how small steps can make a big impact. Welcome back to Small Steps, Big Impact. I'm Sally Ho. Last week, I told you how I didn't care much about the impact of food when I was a teenager. For me, things really changed after I watched a 2014 documentary called Cowspiracy. Long story short, I adopted a vegan diet and it's been many years since. It's my way of being more aware of my own environmental footprint. I'm not saying that everyone has to go vegan, but we do have to be more mindful of our food habits and how it relates to the environment. It's one of the easiest ways we can tweak our lives and make it green, so to speak. Last week, I talked about swapping out beef when you cook at home. But in Hong Kong, many of us go out to eat at cafes and restaurants a few times a week. So today, we're going to find out how we can dine out sustainably. When I first went vegan, it wasn't easy to find plant-based options when I wanted to dine out. Luckily, the food scene in Hong Kong has changed dramatically, and it's much easier to find plant-based dishes all around town. And on top of that, many restaurants are now switching up their entire operations to make everything from their food sourcing to packaging more eco-friendly. To learn more about sustainable dining, I'm on my way to Treehouse, a plant-based restaurant with an eco-conscious philosophy. I'll be meeting with Christian, the founder and chef behind the restaurant concept. He'll be telling us all about how his restaurant runs in a planet-forward way and how even the menu is designed with carbon emissions in mind. Can you introduce yourself and tell me a bit about your story and why you created Treehouse? Yes, so my name is Christian. Um, I originally started Treehouse because I first came to Hong Kong and I saw that there was a gap in the market in the type of of food that I was personally looking for and and personally craving. And I thought it would be a great platform to create whole plant-based food from scratch, but through a, a fast manner, quick service manner, so we could really reach the masses. And I've kind of been playing around with the vegetarian vegan diet for a long time. I saw tremendous uh, results as a high-performing athlete. And also uh, through my study of the medical system, I really saw that food was an instrumental foundation to health overall. So ultimately, that led me to going to cooking school and essentially learning how to cook highly quality food and founding that you know, bringing that to a fast food service was ultimately what brought me to start Mana Fast Slow Food, Homey to Live, and now Treehouse. And I'm really keen to know about how a sustainable restaurant really runs. Can you give me a tour of your restaurant and tell me about how your operations stay committed to being good for the planet? 
how do you source your ingredients, what's on your menu, and if there are sustainable elements even in the furnishings that we're seeing right here? Yes, absolutely. So we try to, um, essentially, we, we try to run everything that we do through an environmental uh, spectrum. And so we try to do as much as we can to be mindful of the environment. Of course, there's a lot of more things we would like to do. But to operate as a business, we have to deal with what's the reality of Hong Kong and then to always strive to do better. So what we can do today is essentially uh, a big part of our food. The most eco-friendly thing we do is essentially our food, actually, because whole plant-based food is the low, lowest carbon footprint, is the best on the environment, and is the best proven for us as individual. So that's the number one thing that's the most eco-friendly, sustainable thing that we provide. Uh, the second is that we provide all of that food in sustainable and compostable packaging. So that has a tremendous cost in our operation. It costs tremendously more than regular packaging, but it's an important part to the whole concept. And so essentially we have compost bin and a landfill bin. The idea is to really, you can see on the bins we have clearly labels uh, to really show where everything goes. So including things that go to the landfill that we're not able to compost at the moment. But essentially most of our packaging is compostable commercially. And so we have an outside bin that you can see, which is essentially every night we get all our food waste and all our packaging waste measured. And so we measure every single night our customer bin and also our kitchen bin so we're able to really see um, what is our waste on a daily basis but also all of that waste is going to the new territories and being processed as compost so we're literally diverting tons and tons of waste away from the landfill which you know Hong Kong has a big landfill problem so as a business we're being very mindful of that other than that, uh, a lot of things that we try to do, so all the tables that you can see are made of FSC wood or bamboo, which is highly renewable. Uh, the countertops, this is sargum plants that are interlaced, which is a waste material. Uh, we use a lot of aluminum, which is highly uh, uh, recyclable. The, the tiles that we're on is LEED-certified uh, lead eco-cement tiles, so they produce a lot less CO2 during their, their production. And again, uh, our staff uniform is made of organic cotton and natural dyes, so they're not exposed to any sort of nasty chemicals, and it's, it's a more comfortable uh, uniform as well. Um, what else do we do? We, we also donate uh, to trees. So whenever someone buys a combo in a restaurant, we donate one tree on your behalf. Wow. Uh, we paid all the admin fees ahead of time. So it's literally one tree planted for every combo uh, uh, sold. And how many so far have you planted? Uh, over 85,000 trees. Even though, you know, during COVID and this and that, like we were not even making money, we never stopped any of our charitable actions. Wow. Uh, we also worked with uh, Warner and Impact Hong Kong to provide uh, 1,500 meals cooked in treehouse, the same quality of food, and feeding people uh, with, uh, that are getting their food at Impact Hong Kong. That was a wonderful campaign where we were able to give back. We also used to have a donation bowl where, which we're going to reintroduce. It was just terminated because it was just on one location. And essentially, all the proceeds of that bowl went into feeding six people in need via Food Link in Hong Kong. So again, our pulls is feeding people well and also our carbon footprint. So that's why planting trees is another way that we can that we can mitigate that. We also don't use gas because we find that gas is less environmentally friendly than electricity. Unfortunately, we don't have a choice of the quality of electricity we use here. We cannot get from a renewable source. So again, that's why tree planting is a great way to give back. 
Um, we also use all our drinks that you can see in our fridge here in glass bottles. The great thing about glass is highly reusable. We have an average life cycle of eight times per bottle. So and it's not going straight to the landfill? No, it's not. It's being reused, professionally cleaned in our production kitchen. All the bottles you see here. And then they, once you bring it back to us, we, we can uh, keep a closed loop system and essentially reuse them quite a bit of time. And then, um, and then uh, uh, go to Eco Park to be turned into a building brick or other things. So then it does have a life cycle after our life cycle as well. And you can see we do our hot sauce served in our kombucha bottles, oh, things wow. like that. So, so we, we, we do try to reuse as much as possible, but we bring that philosophy also to the food. So how do we bring it to the food is everything has a certain shelf life and everything has nutrition in it. From the, the root all the way to the top stem of a leaf has nutrition. And as, as far as it's not spoiled, it can be used for great nutritional value for our food. So something like bread, which is sourdough, it actually gets better over time. But then if it's not the best to be cooked for a flatbread, even though our rotation is too fast to really keep it, we essentially can turn it into a chip and that will give it a longer shelf life. So and it's not going to waste? Pretty much nothing that is not spoiled is going to waste. Everything is re-engineered to give nutrition to food, to different preparation, to different toppings and that kind of stuff. So really bringing that philosophy to the production of our food is also a key principle to, to make sure that we can run as eco-friendly as possible. We also provide free filtered water that is uh, going through a five-stage uh, filtration system. So again, kind of removing the first scam in restaurant business, which Those is bottles, yeah, and all that. Bottles, and also water. like a tax to sit down, right? It's like yep. sparkling a still. When Hong Kong water is actually very, very good, you just need a UV filter, reverse osmosis, pre-filters and all that. And after all that, it's delicious to drink. So we provide that all free of charge, even though it's a huge cost. Again, it's a natural resource that we should just make sure to make it readily available for the masses. So that's a, a great concept of ours to provide very high quality water. And obviously we use it in our kitchen to wash our vegetable, to for our, our, our drinks, our coffee and everything is, is very guaranteed to, to have gone through using high quality water. So those are some of the things that we do to, to try to be sustainable. And the last thing I think is we use technology also to to, to help on mitigation of ordering process, saving on printing of, uh, of tickets, on, on, on basic information of our system to be able to remove a lot of the paperwork in the process of ordering and that kind of stuff. And this episode is really all about how we can choose sustainable options when we dine out as part of reducing our carbon footprint. And I can see here on your menu you've actually added carbon labels to your menu. Can you tell me more about these labels and how you calculated the footprint of your dishes? Absolutely. So the, the carbon footprint is a very interesting thing, especially in Hong Kong, because Hong Kong imports about 95% of their goods. So most of what we consume in Hong Kong is coming from elsewhere. If it's maybe coming from China, that's very much local. But a lot of things are coming way beyond China. So it's, it's very important. I think it's a great way to educating again on what we do well, which is whole plant-based food is the low, lowest carbon footprint food. And so the highest item that we have is actually a burger, uh, our burger, which is 0.6 kilogram of CO2 uh, created for having that, that whole combination. 
why is because we import German high-quality organic whole wheat flour, which we are not able to find locally. And again, we have to be within our value system to provide bread of very high quality with very good quality uh, uh, wheat. And so essentially, even with that quality standard, it's still such a tremendously small impact compared to an average beef burger is about 7.83 kilograms of CO2. So that's just the carbon footprint of that one beef burger. So you're talking many, many, many times more than your high quality sourdough buns with a vegan patty. Exactly, I'm talking to you about a basic beef burger with regular bread, that's the impact. But that's not, carbon footprint is not even taken into account water consumption. Water consumption to create that same beef burger is 660 gallons. So that's two months of leaving your shower on compared to ours that is very low water uh, needs in order to grow that foods. So again, it just shows that whole plant-based food is something that we should all include more in our diet. It's not about all being vegetarian or vegan. That's not our mission. But we do believe that everyone should go for very high quality meats and fish if they make that choice, but then include a lot more whole plant-based option in your diet. And how were these figures calculated? Did you input the ingredients of each menu item, each dish, and sort of calculate it from there? So essentially we had to provide all of the ingredients that we use and um, essentially the recipes of all our dishes. And we worked on that specific uh, program with Henderson Land, which is our landlord in this location and also with Food Made Goods that did the actual calculation. So this was all done by a third party and we had to provide them all the data and they made sure that everything was accurate and gave it back to us and now we are displaying it. And and what do you hope to achieve with this carbon labeling program? Are you hoping to educate your customers more about the impact of food and give them an idea of how a sustainable restaurant really runs? Yes, it's just one more one more information and in all of the things that we try to educate our customers in a non-dogmatic way, which means if you're interested, it's there. If you're not, the food is your spokesperson. Hopefully you have a great meal, you feel good after two hours, be- after that you feel good. Again, we're not here to just feed the palate, we're here to feed the gut. And we know that the gut is a very important process. And for me as a trained chef, it's quite easy to satisfy a palate, but it's a lot harder to satisfy a gut. And that's something that we need to understand what does the food do once we have the pleasure of eating and how does it regenerate our body how does it interact with our cells and so on so that's where I think providing more information like the carbon labeling program is, is crucially interested to the people that are interested in how far and how deep uh, the rabbit hole goes into how much we care in our processes. Obviously, we can only do as much as we are able to do, but it's, it's about giving that data available to the ones that, that want to see it and the ones that are not ready for it to certainly not make them feel like they need to care about it. But at least they have a first glimpse into, into the idea in the first place because it's not very common, is it? No, it's not, but it is becoming a lot more um, common in a way because people are understanding it. But I do think that where is your food coming from is a very important question. And when consumers start not caring just about a price point, because price points derive, unfortunately, drive to low quality. But if you focus more on the, the story of your food, who's behind the supply chain, the quality of it, and, and where it's coming from, 
that's really going to shift how restaurant business operate. As a restaurant in Hong Kong, you said you've been running a food business here for quite a long time, many years. Do you think that minds are changing now? Are you seeing that kind of shift in terms of your customers thinking more about their food and it's not just you introducing these ideas to them and that maybe they're demanding a bit more from restaurants as well? Well, I definitely think the awareness is absolutely there in the terms that most people you talk to will understand that there's a climate crisis, there's certain things that are not okay, there's overconsumption, there's, there's, there's a lot of issues in terms of the transparency of our supply chain, this and that. But it's still not yet resolving. I think it's still not yet at the tipping point where it's become a mass demand thing because unfortunately through COVID and through this difficult uh, time for restaurant business, we've only seen our, our market shrink. And that's not a good indicator because that means that less competition we have, actually less the market is big. So we're, we're seeing a lot of our competitors, competitors uh, lose steam or close and, and we're seeing the market actually shrink. So we are hoping that not awareness will start driving action and so that's what we're positioning ourselves to 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 be ready for but it, we're not seeing that full switch but overall doing business here for 12 plus years i've seen it's a lot easier now to source eco-friendly packaging to source better product uh, back when we started we had to import quinoa we had to import kale this and that like it was a lot of we had to do the importing, the restaurant side, and so on. Now, you can go to a steakhouse and get a kale salad, a quinoa salad, whatever. Like it is becoming a lot more accepted to have vegan menu, vegetarian menu, in a lot of places. So the options are getting better, and um, and uh, and all the derivative items from that are becoming uh, more available. So essentially, it's getting easier. But we still need that market to go from a quick satisfaction of I've had a bad day, let's me have a, a good uh, traditional cookie or something that makes me feel good in the moment, rather than to invest in my longevity or me feeling good over t days and days and days. Because as we know, if we eat a bad meal today, it's not going to kill us. But it's the is the is the sheer adding exactly up. so that's where people need to see longevity not only of the planet but also themselves and how investing in good food is a very it's a great investment do you have any tips for people who want to dine out sustainably but really don't know where to start what would they be looking out for or do you have any easy hacks as like I like to call them for people who might scan a menu when they walk in a restaurant and they're not sure what they want to order and carbon labels aren't available there, what would you do? Well, it really depends on how the restaurant communicates. I think it's about asking questions. Like if I want a fresh juice in a restaurant, I ask, do you make it fresh to order? Do you order it in? How did you make this? What oil are you using? Like it's asking questions, seeing how knowledgeable the staff is, seeing what is the information they're willing to give you, the source of food. The more they're able to see the care, the more you'll see that that's this probably a reality to, to the food that is positive or negative. But essentially, I think it's extremely limited, the option of, of truly sustainable uh, restaurants. Again, in Hong Kong, it's, it's extremely difficult to do it. You can only do to the best of your ability. And often it's very high dining, um, uh, fine dining restaurants that are able to do it because of the 
the sheer small scale of which they do it and it makes a lot of sense to do it but i think it's just running a restaurant is extremely difficult but then when you add the more expensive packaging when you make the food from scratch that requires more staff when you still have the same rents as everyone else and and all of that stuff it essentially adds up to you have even less margins so you have to be still driven by a mission and passion rather than profit um, and unfortunately that deters a lot of restaurants business from doing it um, but we actually provided and created um, a playbook on inspiring hopefully other restaurant owners to to become more sustainable by working with Green Hospitality, which is an NGO here in Hong Kong. And we provided a 120-page paper on how to uh, run a business more sustainable and also showing that there's actually ways to make money in it in terms of like understanding your waste, you know, making sure that you're not not using something, uh, you know, making sure you're not consuming too much water and this and that. Like overall, you also have many ways to upcycle thing or reuse things to able to save money, which traditional restaurants might not consider. So there's, there's, there's ways also to make it more interesting, but it's just not really common places and there's not a lot of options so i would say the best is cooking at home <laughs> so absolutely you cook at home first and if you can't then try and go for a plant-based meal because you said that first of all food accounts for a major portion of your carbon emissions and then go for a restaurant that truly cares where you can ask questions right absolutely um and as for you, you've mentioned that it's so hard to run a sustainable restaurant. What would you say is the most difficult part of it? Well, in the last couple of years, we've learned some new difficulty, which is, you know, being in an economy that is kind of closed, being, um, you know, not having tourists and so on. So I must say that the last three years I've learned uh, to be a different kind of entrepreneur and to be very resilient and, and myself being able to live with a lot less, which has been a tremendous uh, learning experience. But I think it's just the sheer belief in your mission and believing that it's going to prevail at some point or it will uh, lead to successes and lead to abundance and lead to people really getting it. And, and luckily, I think what makes us live is that the people that do see us as a trusted place and a, a place that they favor, they do come again and again and again. And that is what really kept us alive all this time and is what's keeping us alive now as we wait for Hong Kong to, re uh, to re yeah, reopen and really become the dynamic city that we used to know where, you know, we're still about 60% less money revenue that we're making from 2019 to today so but we still have amount about the same amount of staff and the same amount of liabilities so it's essentially just survival so i think it was the hardest thing to answer your question is to stay strong when when you're no longer you know being fueled by the mission uh like as a business you're no longer being rewarded but you're just continuing and working harder for less reward and that, that's been the most difficult part is to have to do absolutely everything of the business and having no financial reward to to get in exchange <laughs> which makes it difficult to do your job yes yes but hopefully as more people get to know the importance of why sustainable restaurants should be around and and why there's so much effort behind it despite the cost that they will go and support 
sustainable restaurants, right? Yeah, I hope so. I, obviously, that's what we we hope so. And 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 you, it would be a shame because you know it's it's just there's not a lot of restaurants that I see as as an example. And 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 again, in Hong Kong, we unfortunately lost a lot of the other similar brands as ours. So it's it's only getting smaller and and so on. So we're really hoping that you know. Eating good quality plant-based food is something that is here to stay and not just a constant struggle. <laughs> and what's the next step in your mission to be good for the planet and good for the people? So essentially, is as we scale, that's where we can really reduce our price point, get better leverage on on ordering uh, high-quality foods. Um, obviously, we've been in survival mode, but as we're we're growing, we're able to really capitalize on wholesale prices, uh, logistics um, improvement, and also really building out our our technology uh, process where we really want to understand from seed to trash, like really understand the whole supply chain of our food so we could be radical, radically transparent, which is our dream, but today is, is just not feasible. But those are things that we would like to build in the future because we do believe that in five years from now, customers will want that transparency. They will want and understand how that's true luxury is what you put in your body, understanding really where it's from, the care and love that comes behind it. And so we want to be setting ourselves uh, to be part of that change. And so we're planning to scale around Hong Kong. Uh, we have a, a few other openings. We're still very hopeful as much as I I might sound a little bit down, but I'm not. I'm actually very optimistic, uh, just very real about certain realities. But I'm very optimistic about this concept, and I am relentless in this mission to to get it to a place where it will be commonplace, where I can go to an airport and have an extremely great salad and on an overpriced process, whatever, and be able to travel around the world and get access to good clean food and again there's no shortcut to food we need whole plant-based food there's no shortcuts no scientist made food will ever ever be good for us on a regular basis so or for the planet or for the planet of course like that's been proven also that it's not good it leads to monocropping it means to a lot of other things so there's no shortcuts to certain things and and food is one of them Thank you so much for your time. It was wonderful to get to know how Treehouse runs. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. It was amazing to get to know how a sustainable restaurant runs. From the recycled furnishings inside to ingredient sourcing and even composting their food. I was especially fascinated by the idea of carbon labeling the menu, and I do wonder whether it will be something we'll see more of in the future. But until carbon labels become a widespread phenomenon in Hong Kong, I can kind of do the mental maths now. We can see how a restaurant approaches their ingredient sourcing, composting, and whether they have a wide variety of vegan and vegetarian items on their menu. And using these bits and bobs, I can gauge whether a restaurant is taking sustainability seriously. For me, it was also super interesting to think about how simply being curious about a restaurant, taking a moment to ask questions about where their food comes from, how it's made, and whether it's fresh or not, 
and kind of stepping back and really thinking about these things as I choose where I want to go and eat. It's an easy way for me to dine out in a more conscious, planet-forward way. Now that I've gotten to know these tips on eco-friendly dining, I think it's the perfect time for me to go for a walk. Maybe I'll take you with me, but that will have to be next time on Small Steps Big Impact because walking more and cutting back on our transport emissions will be the topic. I'm going to be joined by Igel. She's a trail runner and breathwork instructor and the perfect person to chat to to learn all about the environmental and health benefits of walking more in our daily lives. And guess what? She'll even share some of her special tips to get us breathing the right way while we get our steps in. Until then, it's goodbye from me. I'm Sally Ho, and I'll catch you next time. International station for an international city. This is Radio 3.